Alrighty. Back again. <laughs> Back again. Uh, welcome to the podcast. As you know, a show all about pets, uh, veterinary medicine, and pretty much all things animals. Fluffy, fuzzy, furry, scaled. We got them all. <laughs> <laughs> what else, David? Um, yeah, so this episode, um, exciting episode. Um, it seems like the Ask the Vet episodes are are pretty popular. People like asking us our questions. The questions are coming in more and more. So thank you to everybody who is asking questions because <clears throat> we know there are questions out there. And this is the exact reason why you cannot say that Lauren is a vet at a dog park because the questions come in. So you have them. Keep sending them this way. Yeah. I'm literally like at, at our dog park. I'm like top secret, like Clark Kent, that I try not to like show who I am. But then occasionally there'll be like a scuffle at the dog park and I have to like come out and bring my Superman cape and I'm like walk <laughs> over silently and I'm like, I'm like, I'm a vet. I'm a vet. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. But don't tell anybody. <laughs> Uh, but yes, um, wow, we went off on what, a crazy what, what are some, I'm Now I'm curious, what are some of the crazy things that you've seen at dog parks where you oh, had to like, intervene? Mostly it's like limping or someone got bit or something where I just have to look and just make sure the animal's okay. So mm. makes owners feel better, but, um, but then I'm I like, please. I was walking at the dog park the other day, actually, and there was, there were two ambulances in front of it. And as I was approaching, I got panicked. I realized it probably wasn't a dog incident. Definitely not. It was, yeah, there's no Although dog Although maybe incident. there was a dog attack. I, when I got, I, I feel like it was maybe one of the neighboring houses that there was something that happened. Yeah, that's but most likely. Probably, yeah. But I got nervous. There are some areas that do have dog ambulances, though. There really? are some. Um, when I worked in Calgary, our, our clinic had a, a dog ambulance. Yeah. It was really brutal on the staff because <laughs> we were always being called different places. But mm. anyways, okay. Let's talk. We have some news. Um, well, I guess first we should answer some. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We got trivia. Yes, we do have trivia. Trivia to answer. Yeah. And if you guys remember what the last question was, was what is the fastest fish in the world? Is it a sailfish, a Macau shark, a yellowfin tuna, or a wahoo? <laughs> <laughs> you know Okay, I actually was like, why is he reading this in the wrong order? And then I realized it was because he wanted to say wahoo like that. <laughs> I mean, the, the name itself kind of speaks to that. But the actual answer, can I can I give it or do you want to give the... Yeah, uh, you can give it. So it is a toss-up, actually. The wahoo's not even in the running. It is a toss-up between a sailfish and a marlin, although sales, sailfish are generally considered to be the fastest fish at the world, clocking in at speeds of, drumroll, 68 miles per hour. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fast. That's a fast fish. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what a sailfish looks like. I'm not really big into fishing, but... Sailfish, they've got like a long kind of... Uh, Sail. Yeah, like a spiky thing? spine yeah. scale. would have guessed? Yeah, that's it. So anyway, fast fish. Very cool. Okay. I actually have a a very cool news story that was actually shared to us by one of our friends uh, during a casual conversation when we were out for dinner. And then I looked it up and it's pretty funny. So a lot of people we do, we, ours is never charged, so we can never really see through it. But a lot of people have doorbell cameras mm -hmm. now, um, whether it's, you know, Nest or what what have you. Um, and they catch a lot of interesting things. I know I'm on this neighborhood app, which David always makes fun of me for, where Basically, people are always posting uh, pictures of people stealing Amazon packages from their doorstep. 
Um, I don't know if they ever catch them. But anyways, we know that these doorbell apps catch really cool things. Anyways, so this guy, Jeremy, who's from Kansas, was on vacation in Las Vegas. And he got a notification on his doorbell app. This doorbell app was called Ring. And it said, you know, someone was at his front door. So he opened the app and he saw, you know, a live video feed. And when he opened the app, he saw his dog, Dexter, sitting at his front door, like whining to come in. Now, this was very unusual and surprising because Dexter was supposed to be at doggy daycare about two miles away. (laughs) And so somehow Dexter had escaped doggy daycare, ran two miles, found his home, and then was ringing the doorbell to come in. And so obviously Jeremy kind of was like, holy, like, my dog, I'm in Las Vegas, my dog, there's a big storm coming in Kansas, my dog's sitting at the step. Luckily, this Ring app allowed him to communicate, like it was a one-way communication. Go back to the no, 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 no. <laughs> of course he didn't say that. He basically had called his friends to come get the dog and he was just talking to him, telling the, the dog, stay calm, someone's coming, it's okay. Like, And so then the friends took care of the dog for the rest of the trip. But I mean- but someone's going to get fired at that doggy daycare. Yeah, I know. What that's happened there? That's bad, bad news. Really bad. Yeah. So hopefully they got a free daycare and also maybe some compensation. Yeah, the, these whole pet camera things, I mean, it's great. I think it's, I've always been against you having one because I think the fact that you speak about our animals enough in public is is just enough. But to think that you'd be looking at the camera constantly to check in on them and see how they're doing. Well, so I did get, um, as part of a promotion, I did get a uh, camera uh, called Waze camera. And wise, wise. Wise, sorry, wise. Yeah. W-Y-Z. Z or Z E, um, and this camera we got a couple. So one of them we actually are using in our front, uh, our front area yeah, as, a doorbell, type as thing. a doorbell type thing. But the other one I had set up in the house so I could check on the dogs from home. Now David works from home, so he didn't really like it because intermittently throughout the day I would like. Working is like a loose term too. So you would really check in to see how productive I was being well, at home. I would look and I, it's like the <laughs> middle of the day and David's always like, oh yeah, I work so hard today. And then I'm looking and he's like watching TV. So I'd go onto the camera and I'd talk to him. I'd be like, hey, looks like you're working really hard there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that thing at all. I think yeah. I'm, I'm really happy. But you know what? Like you can get some of these pet cameras that also spit out treats. Yeah, like fur Which Yeah, stuff. which is a weird kind of concept too because then you're really kind of almost playing god and these these animals are like like what is this magical <laughs> treat it's giver? good for dogs that have like separation anxiety and stuff though i think it can be helpful anyways okay. what do you have what, what kind of story do you have for me today what well here's a story. story it's talking about separation anxiety this is separation of years um and this story is about a missing pet tortoise so for years natalie del almeida had heard about her mother's pet tortoise And it was the tortoise that she had growing up. However, despite hearing about it for all these years, there was always like a tinge of sadness that happened when she was hearing about the tortoise named Manuela. Because Manuela, unfortunately, disappeared in the 80s. And they didn't know what happened to it. They thought it had wandered off the property and was picked up by another tortoise-loving pet owner. And Manuela had just disappeared. Or so we thought. Fast forward 30 years, and Natalie, uh, Natalie's grandfather had just passed away. 
So they went into his home to start cleaning out stuff and, and getting rid of his, uh, his belongings. And they saw that they, he had left quite a chore for them to do in the attic. Tons of boxes and unused stuff. And when they got up there and they're clearing through the belongings, they noticed something familiar. And sure enough, in a box, in the attic, alive and thriving, Manuela, 30 years later, had been trapped in the attic and been living up there, what they think, feasting off of termite larvae. So Manuela Jeez. was reunited with the owner after 30 years. Talk about a, like, a very hardy species. Yeah. Time, slow and steady wins the race. Oh, my God. That's terrifying <laughs> also for that tortoise. I know. I know. Sad. I mean, it seems. Sad but happy. Sad, I mean, it happy could ending. live another however many, to live another 30, 40. More. More. Yeah. Years. So maybe that'll just be a distant memory. Anyway, yeah, it just, uh, that's sad, a, but happy. That's a I tale. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a, it's a happy tale. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> when we <laughs> come back, we are gobsmacked by that yeah. one. <laughs> Need a break. Shell shock. Uh, we're going to do some ask the vet trivia when we come back. Okay. Well, we're back after that break. Much needed recovery from the Manuela, Manuela story. Oh God. And I think David has some questions to ask me. We're doing a little Ask the Vet I segment. Love I always love this segment. I think it's great. Well, yeah, you get to just like and relax. I, just, I relax a little, but I also learn a lot. And okay. I think that's that's what our uh, our listeners would like to learn right now. So this, okay. is, this is actually a question that we've been seeing a lot of. People are skeptics, and they want to know what really happens in the back room of a vet clinic. What happens when what happens? the pet is dropped off and all of a sudden out of sight? Weird yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have some connotations about what happens in the back. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that happens when we take your pet is we are like, oh, hi, little Fluffy. Oh, it's so cute. So good to see you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You want to go see your little house for the day? <laughs> like, literally, it's just like, you know, we want to make them feel so comfortable. So, And oftentimes, we're doing things that we potentially wouldn't do in front of the owners. Like, half the time in the back, like when I need a break from doing my paperwork, I'll just like go into the, the kennel or the run, you know, with the dog and sleep the in run? there. So there's different types of like, depending on how long the patient's there for. And this is obviously, I'm talking from a specialty clinic perspective, but it's, the principles hold true in smaller practices, like your family vet practice. But, you know, bigger dogs can't really fit in a kennel okay. and so they're often in like what we call a run which is just like there's a door on it but it's like a, a really tall big space and they have more than one dog in there oh, at no, time? No. Oh, okay. only one dog at a time in Got there it. um and then there's also kennels which are like kind of set up along the wall where right. there's you know little doors that open and they're stacked vertically um in some clinics like in our clinic we keep the cats separate for the most part so the cats we have like a cat room and then we have a dog area i've actually even seen vet clinics that are just for cats as well. Oh, Is yeah. It for that there very are, reason that yeah. there's just, they do not tend to get along Absolutely, with. yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, and I will say, like, I think a lot of owners are nervous about their animals going to the back, say, because the, the dogs may have, like, separation anxiety or they're mm -hmm. really anxious. A lot of the time, though, they're often feeding off their owner's energy. And so sometimes when you bring a dog or a cat to the back, they're actually better mm. um but we're absolutely not back there like torturing or hitting or so. abusing <laughs> your pets like we are like literally the the most you know 
caring, loving people. We're doing everything possible to make sure your pets are, are comfortable and happy. Um, and of course, like just like with us, like a lot of pets, you just don't really love going to the dentist. There are some people who just don't I love going to the dentist. I actually love the dentist, just so you know. I know. I actually like the dentist, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm overdue. <laughs> as he like touches probably weird ASMR teeth. sounds yeah. going on in the microphone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, for the most part, you know, some dogs do better at the vet than others. There actually are some companies that are kind of moving to more of an open clinic model. Like there are some companies that are allowing, um, these are emergency clinics where they're allowing pet owners into the back um, during the exams and during the diagnostic process. I guess the hard thing that I see, at least, you know, at a specialty level, what we do, because owners often ask, hey, can I be present for the ultrasound and things like that? The problem is, I think sometimes we need the freedom and the space to talk candidly. So when Mm -hmm. I'm in an ultrasound room and the radiologist, you know, often will call me down to look at something and I need to be able to talk candidly I really thought you were talking candidly to the animals and I thought that was (laughs) no we got to get real with you right now fluffy no but like we need to be able to talk candidly with the radiologist like if he's seeing something and he's like I think this could be cancer or this could Mm. you know if I have an owner there we may not have the information that needs to be said between us to get you know, to give the best, the best care. So there are definitely circumstances where I think like an open concept may be helpful. And we always like we have visitation hours, you know, just like a human hospital would, where owners either can if the patient's stable enough, they can go into a room and have a visit with the with the pet or if the patient's not stable, they come back to the ICU and they have a cage side visit. And so it's very similar to human hospitals, right? In human hospitals, Oftentimes you're not allowed to be there 24 right. seven because it does Visiting hours. Yeah. And it can get in the way of the patient care, right? We have ICU nurses, we have staff, they need to be able to draw blood. They need to be able to, you know, go about their day without constantly being asked questions. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, the reality of what we do, but absolutely like everyone who works at a vet hospital is the most animal loving, you know, you people around. Otherwise, no, I yeah, mean, you're not dedicating your life if you hate animals. But anyway, it is, no. what is interesting to me is that you told me that when you were graduating vet school is when you decided to get a cat for the first time because you had never had one really. Yeah, I never had a cat and I just wanted to know like their behaviors and how they work. I wanted to feel comfortable with them. And so, I mean, we had two cats, now we have one cat. Um, But yeah, love cats. And I mean, half the time, I mean, I'm in the kennel or in the, you know, <laughs> with my with my patients. Like oh, I know the, the amount of hair that you come yeah. home covered in. I, you, I can, can verify tell. that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. On the topic of cats, the viewers want to know, indoor or outdoor cat? That is the question. Yeah, so that's a really tough question, to be honest. I mean, it's the safest is an indoor cat. Of course, you know, any day of the week, indoor cats are going to be safer. Outdoor cats are at risk for being hit by vehicles, predation. So in Vancouver right now where we live, I mean, in many other places, coyotes, coyotes, birds, birds, eagles. I mean, there's a huge number of cats. I mean, again, on my little next door app, (laughs) I'm (laughs) constantly seeing, you know, reports of seeing a cat being attacked, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So outdoor cats are inherently higher risk. They also interact with other cats in the in the environment and there's you know they often come back with cat bite or cat fight abscesses so definitely more dangerous however you know as far as 
some of the benefits of being outdoor, you know, more mental stimulation. They're often, you know, doing things like trying to catch mice outside. So some of those natural behaviors that they might have, um, often outdoor cats are much less likely to be overweight or obese, mm-hmm. which is a huge, probably one of the number one problems that indoor cats face is that they are fat. Um, and yeah, so from a health standpoint. Also, I would say health standpoint of humans, because we had, we'll get to talking about our indoor slash outdoor oh, cats that we them had, now. but yeah. the, I mean, Jersey, I mean we, when she was out and about, never used a litter box on the inside. She went outside. We didn't have to clean litter pee or cat poo yeah, for so let me months. just let's just let the listeners know kind of so we had two cats um i had them for 10 years before well 10 years about now but but long before i met david and i got them from the humane society in calgary they lived with me in la they lived with me during my residency in tennessee came back to calgary and then they were in vancouver with mm-hmm. me and both of them were originally stray cats and i got I got Jersey pretty young, so she didn't really know a life on the streets. But Bronx, my older cat. Um, Badass Bronx, by the way. How did you find her? How was the story about her? Yeah, she was her? like middle of the winter, negative 40 degrees. Had a litter of kittens that unfortunately all passed. They found her on the streets. I adopted her, and she she was always... Like, she was an indoor cat for many years, but she always wanted to go outside. And when we moved to Vancouver and we were in a ground floor condo um, with a sliding door, she would just sit at that door. And if we opened it for a second, she would escape and she would scream and howl. So at one point, I just said, okay, let's... Yeah, the, the, the tipping point was at four in the morning when your mom was staying over. And all of a sudden, we were getting this slamming on the door like, she got out the window, she got out the window. So we yeah. spent... 20 minutes outside with flashlights trying to find her. And that was the realization that she clearly wants to get out. Maybe yeah. we should just let her have this outdoor yeah. experience. And then, so she did, we started letting her out more and more. And same with Jersey. Jersey never really strayed from like literally the back alley. She never really went very far. Um, but Bronx would go a bit further, always would come home. Um, she like was the neighborhood cat. Everybody loved her. I would go on runs. I would see her like, you know, mousing. And she just was so much happier. She you know, just loved being outside. And so I said in that moment, I said like flat out, I know this is potentially dangerous. I know she might get hit by a car. I know she might go missing, but like she is so much happier right. as an outdoor cat than she ever was as an indoor cat. And she so- also cheated on us a little bit. I remember we got a text message when we were away on a vacation saying, hey, your cat is in my apartment. Yeah. And sure enough, it turned out that she was finding love in another house. Yeah. So, I mean, there was definitely more stress, too, from that standpoint for us because sometimes it was like, where is she? Is she going to come back? Anyways, the sad result, the end result of this story was that she did go missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We spent weeks looking for her. Someone found her collar. There was never any closure. The thought was that maybe she either was taken or she she succumbed to predation by a coyote and so that was really hard for me to never have that closure but I said to myself time and time again that is the risk I took when I let my cat go outside so you know I think there's pros and cons of both um, but definitely if you let your cat go outside they are much more increased risk for death Mm -hmm. so that is but I know the last time I saw Bronx she was well I don't know if I'd say that. I think it depends on the owner and it depends on the cat. But my, um, but Bronx, and, and we did try the whole leash thing. We did. She like would 
lie on her back and like wouldn't move. So there are also cats that you can train if you've had them from an early age to walk on a leash, which I think is a great option. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that wasn't in the cards for, for us. And now Jersey, um, since we've been in our new place, we actually have a fenced in yard, so she can't really jump very high. So she stays in our yard now. So she does get the benefits of being outdoors, but she's also not exactly the healthiest girl. She's overweight. Yeah. So she's overweight. I mean, she's on steroids for you know, her gastrointestinal issues anyways. Um, but she's happy. She gets the indoor outdoor time. So, you know, I think that that was nice, but so the answer is there's no clear answer. The majority of vets, if you ask, should my pets be outdoors? You know, they're going to say, well, that's safest if you keep them indoors. And another cat question, guys, this is a, this is a challenge to all you dog lovers out there. We are getting a lot more cat question than dog questions. So Get up, dog owners. Um, but here's another cat question from Adam. His cat was recently diagnosed with feline, feline lower urinary tract disease. I'm supposed to get my cat to drink more, but I'm finding this difficult. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, so for the listeners who don't necessarily know what feline lower urinary tract disease, we kind of short that shorten that to fluted. Um, it's a really common symptom, particularly in young male cats, where, you know, because of stress and various other environmental factors, sometimes, you know, we don't really know what causes it. Diet may play a role. Mental stimulation may play a role. But basically, they get these episodes where they get inflammation in their bladder, and that can cause them to have these um, these signs of having to urinate really frequently, um, straining to urinate. And eventually if there's enough inflammation that happens, they can get these plugs and actually become obstructed. Mm. And if they, if their penis becomes obstructed, they have to go to the hospital and become unblocked where we pass a catheter and basically try and unblock them. And if these cats have enough of these obstruction episodes, they actually need to have surgery to essentially, it's called a PU surgery where their penis is actually redirected. They basically, basically get made into a vagina so that the opening is, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So it's basically like they take the, the penis, which has a very small narrow tip and they basically, the surgeon dissects in and, and takes an area of the penis that's much wider and then pulls that, um, the urethra to the back and so it kind of eliminates the penis and turns them into a a female cat where they are less likely to obstruct when they're having these episodes well that is food for thought right there i did not know about that it's very so was adam i was he curious about how to avoid so back to adam's question um (laughs) yes back to adam's question he basically when when your cat is having these episodes of fluted the recommendation is to you know try and one of the recommendations is to try and get them to drink more to try and keep their urine dilute and keep the system flushed that along with pain medications environmental stimulation there's all sorts of other things but definitely getting more fluid into them is key now some of the ways we suggest they do that a lot of cats like running water and so cats um you know little water fountains that are constantly circling and Mm -hmm. having running water a lot of cats like those and will drink from those more readily than a bowl um also some cats like to drink out of like a cup for instance our, our, our cat, cat does, does not drink yeah does not drink out of the bowl no. very well at she all but any cup that's lying around the house yeah. like your bedside table yeah. that is the so yeah leave more cups around right um also Why is that do you have any idea it's just preference a lot of dogs are like that too um so you know in general find the preference that your cat likes for their for how they drink the other big thing you can do is actually at least feed them in part canned food canned food obviously contains a lot more moisture Mm. and so cats that won't drink 
getting them on a canned diet can be super helpful because that just automatically increases the water content they're taking in and helps. Keep I feel like cats like the the liquid diets more too. Well, when they're you not get, liquid. They're not canned. liquid. Not liquid. Canned, but um, they got like a nice pate and well, gravy. Some cats, our and cats, yes. Your ex- your experience has been that our cats do like the canned diets, right? But there are many cats who refuse canned diets. So I actually recommend, like, if you have a kitten, trying to introduce some degree of canned food into their diet. It doesn't have to be the mainstay. Kibble has great for teeth and things like that. But trying to introduce some element of canned food is really good early on because a lot of these cats later in life develop things like kidney disease as well, in which case moisture is really important in the diet. So if you get them used to canned food early, it may be more helpful when they need it later on. Hmm. Okay. Well, that is great, great feedback for Adam. I hope hope his cat doesn't need any yeah, a lot of people get try the water fountain first. That's my advice. Water fountain first. Yeah. Okay, cool. All well, right. That is a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of. I think that's the that. That's, yeah. That we was have a great. lot more questions on the dog. A lot more questions. Yeah, keep them coming. Yeah. we really appreciate them. And uh, Dr. Lauren, we appreciate your answers. Of course, and I think uh, we just have some trivia questions. And yes, then we do. We will wrap this episode up. Yeah. All right, David. I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Mm, bring it on. What is the most poisonous snake in the world? Is it the cobra, the inland taipan, the western diamondback rattlesnake, or the black mamba? Every time you would say one, I'm like, oh, that's the one. And then you'd say the next. I'm like, that sounds more poisonous. You know, I, I think I'm going to just go with black mamba. Yeah, so see, that was my thought, too, when I was reading this question, but it's actually not. The Diamondback? No, it's not. <laughs> what's next? <laughs> what's your last guess? What's the other two? There was the Cobra and the Inland Taipan. That Taipan sounds like a yeah. dangerous one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are correct on your third attempt. So I didn't actually know what this snake was, but apparently the venom from one bite can kill 100 people. That's oh, how potent man. it is. Okay. Yeah, 100 people. Okay, well, stick away from that Thai pen. Yeah. At least don't get it angry. Yes, I think that's how you say it, too. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, all right, David, I think you have a listener question. I do have a listener question. Which animal growls using teeth in their stomach? I, ho- I don't think we've asked this question. I really hope we haven't asked this question because it's a fun one. Um, and the answer options are a ghost crab, a goblin shark, an eye-eye, or a goliath bird-eating spider? Which animal growls using teeth in their stomach? Okay, I don't know the answer to this. I had, this was a David question, but, like, I need to Google what an eye-eye is. To be oh, sure. there's – you see a picture of this thing, and you are going to think it's for sure growling in all sorts of different areas. <laughs> it is one freaky-looking thing, and in Malaysia, it's known to be, like, this very – superstitiously cursed creature look at cool. okay but well maybe that's the come. answer maybe not I don't know. we'll find maybe. out next week all right well that's all for today's episode um make sure you do subscribe to our podcast you can find us on youtube apple spotify wherever you listen to your podcast pretty much anywhere yeah like follow share it with your friends i think a lot of people uh with like to listen mm-hmm. and they can ask us questions too we'll have many more of the ask the vet segments um until next time i'm dr lauren i'm david and, and this, this is, is the podcast, podcast.